You're listening to Family Life at Cornerstone. Weekly devotion about what's going on in the life of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. I'm Justin Wheeler. I'm the preaching pastor for Cornerstone. And today I want to kick off a new study that we're going to be going through over the next several months. It's a study of the book by Jerry Bridges titled The Gospel for Real Life. Now, some of you might have already read this book, and some of you may have never heard of this book. Uh, This book is aimed to help us learn how to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. And that's what he says in the introduction. And and that may seem a little bit odd to us. Um, It may seem odd that we, as professing Christians, should need to learn to preach the gospel to ourselves. I mean, don't we already believe the gospel? Well, that's really a good question, and it's one that this book is going to help us answer. Now, the aim of this book is not to convert those who are already saved, obviously, but it's to help us all understand our need to, to use Bridges' words, to bathe in the gospel every day. See, Bridges wants us to know the gospel more deeply, to know just how much we need to hear it, even as believers, and then he wants to teach us how to preach it to ourselves. So this is basically a book about the good news of Jesus and how it functions in our day-to-day life as believers. And I'm really looking forward to reading this and to discussing it with you. Now, over the last couple of weeks, I've been joined by other staff members at Cornerstone. Uh, Cody Hickman was with us to talk about worship and our liturgy as a church. Ken and Prophet was here with us last week, and we talked about his ministry of communications and the, and the role that it plays in helping us fulfill the mission of the church. And it was really a blast to have those guys sit down with me and, and talk about their lives and talk about their ministries. And here's my goal. I hope to have some of our other ministry leaders join us throughout the year, especially discussing this particular book so that we can get to know them better, learn a little bit more about what they do in their service at CBC, but also just have them weigh in on this subject of the gospel for real life. But for today, I want to kick off this new study by asking the question, why? Why do Christians need to preach the gospel to themselves daily? I mean, how does it help us to rehearse and remember and remind ourselves of the gospel each day? Well, Bridges tries to answer this particular question, uh, and he doesn't answer it directly. He actually begins chapter 1 getting at this question by discussing just some of the hardships that one of his friends went through. Let me read you a little bit of what he says on page 13 of chapter 1. He says, My friend had just learned that the artificial hip that he had received 11 years earlier needed to be replaced. The previous month, he had had angioplasty to open a clogged artery to his heart. And along with all this, he suffers from rheumatoid arthritis. Signs of old age, he asks? Not at all. My friend is only 56 years old. Now he goes on and he tells more stories about just how hard life can be. Um, He he says this, he says, We live in a sin-cursed world, ravaged not only by the forces of nature and disease, but even more so by people's sinful actions towards one another. And what he's describing in this first section of the chapter is that the world we live in is an unforgiving place. I mean, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a cruel world at times. And, and this can cause any person to be discouraged. 
even Christians. And at times, it even appears that this world is more cruel to Christians. The Bible tells us that it that it's more cruel to Christians because the devil himself is actively involved in this world, actively seeking to harm the people of God. He is prowling about seeking whom he may devour. And then, as if the world and the devil aren't enough, we have the, the pressing concern of our own sin that bears down on us. I mean, here, how many times have we felt this? We're not as mature as we should be, right? Or we're not as godly as we should be, or we're not as... Uh, righteous as we'd like to be, and we don't have the answers that we'd like to have. And surely by this time in our life, we felt, felt like we would be further along in our walk with the Lord, but we're still struggling, and we're still dealing with sin, and this can make us feel guilty, or even in some cases can make us feel that we are in some way alienated from God. Now Bridges goes in and he he quotes a Christian woman who just basically this was her sentiment about dealing with life in such a difficult world. She said this, I know God loves me, but sometimes I wonder if he likes me. (laughs) And have you ever felt this way? Have you ever become so overwhelmed by the difficulties of the world, the flesh, and the devil that you began to doubt God's presence and care for you? I remember when I first became a Christian. I struggled with this quite a bit, and it not only caused me to doubt if God liked me, it really caused me to doubt whether or not I was even a Christian. I mean, I had a hard time believing that a person with my sin struggles could even be saved, because in my mind, I was just sure that Christians didn't have the same problems that I had. I mean, I had this very sanitized view of the Christian life, which, to be quite honest, wasn't very biblical at all. But I thought that Christians were people who had all this stuff figured out, and I certainly didn't have everything figured out, so something must be wrong with me. Well, maybe your experience was something like mine, or maybe your experience was like that Christian woman who says, I know God loves me, but but does he even like me? Now, Bridges goes on and he says that this kind of an experience is, is very common to Christians, especially Christians in America. But he quotes from a a Christian historian named Richard Loveless, who kind of helps us to understand summarizing this experience. He says this. He says that Christians below the surface of their lives are guilt-ridden and insecure, and as a result, draw their assurance of their acceptance with God from things like their sincerity or their past experience of conversion, their recent religious performance, or maybe the relative infrequency of willful disobedience. Now, now what is Loveless saying there? Well, he's saying, well, a lot of times because of how difficult life is and how hard it is for us to really deal with the the things of this life, sometimes we, we, we come at this guilt and this insecurity and we try to kind of salve the wounds with things from our past, right? We're, we're not leaning on our present knowledge of the gospel. We're, we're leaning on our past experience. We walked down an aisle when we were seven, and that's all we really need, right? Well, we know that's not all we need. Sometimes we draw our assurance from, you know, were, were we sincere at, at a time in our life? Sometimes we draw our assurance from our religious performance. How well are we doing? And so here's where things get interesting. Here's where this whole scenario ties back to the need for us to bathe ourselves in the gospel daily. 
See, we all live in the same sinful world. We're all open to the temptation that Satan throws at the people of God, and we're all imperfect people who battle sin on a regular basis. But this quote from Loveless suggests that when we process through all of this, we end up trying to preach something other than the gospel to our weary hearts. Now, why do we do this? Well, why do we have a tendency to abandon the gospel? Well, Bridges gives us a couple of reasons why, and, and I think he's, he's spot on, and there's probably more, uh, more reasons why we do this, but basically it boils down to the fact that we don't have a healthy understanding of the gospel to begin with. And, and Bridges talks about some common ways that we, we misunderstand the gospel. He, he talks about what he calls the truncated view of the gospel. The gospel is just what gets you in the door, right? Um, he says that this kind of gospel understanding is when, when Christians have the tendency to see the gospel as only the, the door that we walk through to become a Christian. And in this view, the gospel is just for unbelievers. It's just that thing we preach to unbelievers so that they can get saved. It's just that thing that that pastor or that preacher or our friend shared with us so that we could become a Christian. And now once we're, we're Christians, we don't need that anymore. We need something else. We need, we need stage two of the Christian life. And that's why he calls it truncated. Because it's like the gospel is just, you know, 101. It's 1.0 and we need 2.0. And that's just not true. That's not a full understanding of what the gospel is. He also talks about what he calls the utilitarian view of the gospel. And this has become so common in our culture. This is the gospel as what can the gospel do for me. It's really about how can the gospel... Um, you know, help me be a better person, or how can the gospel help me feel good about myself, or how can the gospel help me overcome depression? It's really gospel as, you know, the self-help situation. And that's not a healthy or even biblical view of the gospel at all. So here's what we have. So we have all this difficulty in our lives that leads us to try to um, address the problems with something. And Far too often, we're trying to address the problems in our lives with something that's not the gospel. And not only that, but the things that we're using have no power to solve our problems. Essentially, what we're doing is the same thing that the church in Galatia was doing. Now, you may remember this if you've read or studied the book of Galatians. Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of God, he's, he's writing to the church in the city of Galatia, and, and he's astonished that they are deserting the grace of God, and they're turning to a different gospel. That's what the whole book of Galatians is about, the whole letter. And he goes on and he says, look, there's not another gospel, but y'all have abandoned the truth. He didn't say y'all, I said y'all. He said, you've abandoned the truth of the gospel, and now you're turning to something else, thinking that this other thing is going to be able to help you. He asked them this question in Galatians 3. He says, let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit of God by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And then he says, are you so foolish? You began by the Spirit, but you're now thinking that you're going to be perfected by your own flesh. In other words, you came in the door by the loving grace of God, and now you think that you are going to solve your spiritual problems with something other than the grace of God. Now, they had abandoned the gospel, and it seems that we, in our conventional wisdom, are abandoning the gospel as well. You see, the good news is that we are saved, 
not by our works, but by God's grace. And I don't know who did it, but someone years ago turned the word grace into an acronym to help us understand what grace means. And here's the acronym. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Now, let's just break that down a little bit. God's riches at Christ's expense. We, as those who believe in and trust in Christ for our salvation, receive the riches of God. We receive the fullness of His love. We receive His mercy and His His, uh, forgiveness and eternity and all those things. We receive God's riches, and not because we deserve it or we earned it, but because Christ earned it. It's God's riches to us at Christ's expense. God's riches are ours because of what Christ has done. But too often we think we are only able to draw nickels and dimes for our needs. Now, there's a great illustration in this book. Bridges gives us this illustration about, well, let me just read you this illustration from page 17 at the top of the page. He says, some years ago, our pastor told an unusual story about a southern plantation owner who left a $50,000 inheritance to a former slave who had served him faithfully all his life. Now, that was quite a sum of money in those days, perhaps equivalent to half a million dollars today. The lawyer for the estate duly notified the old man of his inheritance and told him that the money had been deposited for him at the local bank. Now, weeks went by and the former slave never called for any of his inheritance. So finally, the banker called him and told him again that he had $50,000 available to draw on at any time. And the old man replied, Sir, do you think I can have 50 cents? to buy a sack of cornmeal? Not having handled money most of his life, this former slave had no comprehension of his wealth. And as a result, he was asking for 50 cents when he could have easily had much, much more. Now, Paul would probably look at us today and say that we're asking for 50 cents or perhaps a couple of dollars, when we have $50,000 in the bank. And he would say that this is because we really don't understand the gospel. In other words, when we approach the problems of our lives, the insecurity of our lives, the difficulty of our lives as believers, and and we try to, to, to bring in these truncated views or these utilitarian views or these really simple little views, what we're doing is we're not understanding the gospel. We're not seeing the the riches of what the gospel offers to us today. And that's what this book is about. It's about helping us understand and grow in our need of the gospel. We need to know what the gospel is. We need to know what the gospel says, what it says about God and what it says about us and what what it tells us that is good. The gospel means good news. What is it about this news that's good? We need to learn what the gospel means for our future, but we also need to learn about what the gospel means for our life right now. That's the aim of this book. It's about answering these questions so that the gospel becomes the fuel, not just for our hope in eternity, but for our daily Christian lives. But thankfully, we don't have to wait until the end of the book to begin to answer these questions. On page 18, Bridges writes this. He says, we don't have to feel guilt-ridden and insecure in our relationship with God. We don't have to wonder if He likes us. 
we can begin each day with the deeply encouraging realization that I am accepted by God not on the basis of my personal performance, but on the basis of the infinitely perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is what the gospel is all about. Jesus paid our debt to the full. He did everything that was necessary to save us from our sin and to reconcile us to God. But He did far more than simply relieve us of our debt. He also purchased for us an eternal inheritance. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians that that he has given to us the unsearchable riches of Christ. Our inheritance as Christians is worth infinitely more than that that, that ex-slave and the $50,000 that he got. And what God wants us to do today is to enjoy those riches and to apply them to our hearts and into our lives so that we won't be as discouraged. And the difficulties of this life will seem like a, a light and momentary thing. Now that's just chapter one. There's so much more for us to learn. And next week in chapter two, we're going to be uh, studying about the cross and, and he's going to get into the theology of the gospel more to answer the question, why the cross and why it was necessary? Now, so tune in next week. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thanks for listening.